upfront and personal. Episode 1, let's have a closer look at the SolarWinds hack and what it means, and not just from a cybersecurity perspective, and also not just from a United States perspective. Let's have a close look at the impact globally, geopolitics and even economy, upfront and personal. SolarWinds hack is a so-called supply chain hack, brilliantly orchestrated, I must be honest. By installing malware on compromised uh, update servers, 18,000 clients of SolarWinds, the Orium package, got malware installed. And after that, it was selectively weaponized. We have so far identified at least four malware strains installed through the initial SolarWinds hack. What happened after that appears to be a massive cyber espionage operation, collecting information from very high-profile organizations and companies. Those companies include cybersecurity firms, those companies include service providers, those companies include a lot of organizations which are actually responsible for cybersecurity towards their customers. But it also includes a lot of United States federal agencies. And that is the most concerning part, because those are also the agencies which perform cyber operations around the world. And in addition to that, there's something else that we have to keep in mind. The majority of the social media platforms are US-based. The majority of the cloud providers are US-based. And the United States has legislation in place which gives the government access to data from cloud providers, data from social media, and we don't really know what and how. We don't know exactly how much data they collect. What we do know is that they have the legal basis to do that when they see fit, through secret court orders, etc., etc. Now, adding that all together, there's a big pool of data and information, and not just the data itself. Much more interesting, of course, are profiles created based on that, plans, conclusions, memos, telegrams, instructions. If I would be behind this attack, those are the things I would be looking for, and it appears to be that that is what they were looking for. Now, for the United States, it's of course a bit embarrassing to be, at least that's what they have claimed so far, and what most of us believed the strongest cyber power around the world. And they were basically tapped into at all thinkable levels. It's not just a technical thing, and it's not just a technical reason how that was possible. Part of why this could happen, and I believe an important part of how this could happen, is the mindset and the instructions. And for that, we have to look at it almost like a military uh, operation and we have to analyze it like a military operation and there we see two levels level one is when you believe that you have achieved superiority and superiority means that you are able to suppress any attack by your opponent and still continue to perform your own operations so you accept that your opponent still can perform operation you just know how to handle them 
In the second level, what of course everybody wants to achieve is supremacy. And supremacy means your opponent is no longer able to perform their operations. And that is basically what the United States has believed for a very long time that they had achieved in the cyberspace. Supremacy. Nobody could do anything without the US knowing it and the US being able to basically stop that operation. The SolarWinds hack has demonstrated that the United States no longer has supremacy, assuming that they had it at one point in time, and we could even question if they still have superiority. They are a strong opponent and they are a very strong power in the cyber field, but the SolarWinds hack exposes a lot of weaknesses. Now, the mindset that you believe you have supremacy and possibly even instructions which are basically mostly offensive, your defense, your reconnaissance, your threat hunting, a very, very important task in cybersecurity, gets a lower priority. We know when we go back to the Snowden files that the United States itself and its partners, amongst others the United Kingdom, are executing similar operations on a large scale. A question we should ask ourselves is, was this a unique operation? And the answer to that is no. We know from Edward Snowden that the United States and some of their partners have similar operations ongoing. And although that information dates back to 2013, we should not assume that they stopped doing this when Edward Snowden made public what was going on. So a lot of those countries have similar operations ongoing. This one was very advanced, this one went very far, and it got exposed. A lot of the other operations are not exposed or not yet exposed. What we should also look at is the wording and the titles that we use. When the NSA and CIA have similar operations, it is called surveillance for the sake of security. When Russia, which is assumed to be behind this, has such an operation, it's called cybercrime and cyber warfare and things like that. Strange. I think it's cyber espionage and I think we should accept the fact that a lot of countries are doing that. Not just the United States, not just Russia, and not just the United Kingdom or China or North Korea or Iran or Israel, name them. A lot of countries are involved in active cyber espionage and espionage is common and espionage is even legal. So let's give this the proper title. Let's start with that. Advanced Cyber Espionage. Let's also assume that the attribution to Russia is correct, although Russia of course denies it, but who would admit it, right? So Russia performed advanced cyber espionage against the United States in a territory where the United States has long believed to be the absolute leader and have absolute supremacy. That means two things. One, the supremacy is no longer the case and the United States should realign its thinking and resources to have a much more defense-oriented approach to cyber, cyber espionage, cyber crime, hacks, etc. The second thing we should conclude is this can happen again. Let's take it one step further and basically state it will happen again. We can even go as far as saying it is already ongoing 
in other fields as well. This also demonstrates that, especially in the previous administration, the focus on blocking vendors and country and particular countries and portraying them as the, the main risk doesn't help. Well, none of those companies were involved in this hack. Not even the country was involved in this hack. This was a hack as the result of poor cybersecurity, poor cyber hygiene, and possibly the wrong mindset. And then it was very smartly and relatively brilliantly executed. And it remained undetected for a very long time. Now, there's one question a lot of people are asking. Why was not the NSA or the CIA of, or any of the other agencies responsible for cybersecurity and national security? The ones who discovered this, the ones who prevented this. It was a private company, FireEye, which detected this, came open with it. And based on that, giants like Microsoft pitched in and found a lot, including being compromised themselves. That also shows, which was mentioned by many, that the NSA, CIA and similar agencies not only have a very offensive approach to cybersecurity, but also the amount of information that they collect is so huge and so fast that they are no longer able to actually recognize what is important. Possibly that's another confirmation that they are working based on the wrong priorities. The United States and Russia are not the best friends. Let's put it like that. It has been like that for a long time. Rare fields where the United States and Russia still collaborate is space with the International Space Station. But in other fields, there's a lot of conflict. Russia is a huge energy supplier and the United States wants to be on the one hand an energy supplier, but it also wants to avoid that, for example, Europe is paying Russia for that same energy. For example, we see what happens with the Nord Stream pipeline. Now, from a Russian perspective, it would be very interesting to figure out all the details about what the US is planning, what their opinions on this are, what the coming actions are, not just towards Russia, but also towards the European partners, which are working on that pipeline. Think one step further. What is the impact on Germany? Germany is a major business partner for Russia and a major business partner for the United States. NATO partner, so military collaboration, political collaboration, but still a partner with Russia. A lot of German companies have a significant business interest. Germany also wants to be a partner for Russia, which has political influence on Russia. Recent poisonings, etc. It isn't going as well as everybody wants. Now, it's not just about Russia figuring out what the United States has planned for Russia. It's also important for Russia to find out what the United States is doing and has on information about Germany in those cases. It could potentially even weaken the position of Germany because Russia can now have access to information, very confidential and possibly controversial information from Germany through the United States. The more areas like that. 
Let's think about Turkey, for example. Turkey neighbors Syria, where both Russia and the United States are actively involved in a military conflict. I refuse to call it a civil war, because there's never anything civilized about the war. This is a military conflict, and Russia and the United States are actively involved. Now, what does that mean for Turkey, when Russia now potentially has information through the SolarWinds hack about Turkey, about whatever is ongoing between Turkey and the United States, whatever information the United States is collecting on Turkey, on Turkish officials, on Turkish individuals, on Turkish military operations. But also the economical aspect. Turkey is an economical hub for the Middle East. It's a gateway between Europe and Asia and the Middle East. Turkey imports a lot of energy from Russia, also something where the United States is not happy about. Turkey has recently bought air defense system from Russia as a NATO partner. The US is not amused about that. It would be very interesting for Russia to know exactly what the United States has on this. And that will potentially weaken the negotiation position on a political level, on an economical level, for Turkey. We all understand that when your opponent knows more about you than maybe you know yourself, that that weakens your position at all kinds of levels. There are many more examples of this. There are many more examples where Russia, through their massive access to US federal organizations and companies, now have the upper hand because they have, in just a few months, collected enormous amounts of information. Information which at least should have been much, much better protected and information which should not have been, when we now look at how it happened, that easy to collect. And what about China? The past four years, the United States didn't stop speaking about China, about the threats, about all the information they claim they have. It would be very interesting for Russia to know exactly what the United States has and knows about China. What we learned in 2013 from Edward Snowden is that the United States is mainly blind for what happens within China. Maybe that has changed, we don't know. We haven't seen any evidence of all those claims about the threats from China. But Russia and China are partners in many ways, but they're also competitors in many ways. They are regional powers in that area of our wonderful planet. They also want to play a global role, and in many cases in the same places. So let us assume that the Russian cyber espionage also was very interested in what the United States has on China, what they actually know about China, about the upcoming plans, and how they can gain a benefit out of that. And bringing that all together, the United States has similar operations for exactly the same reason. Collect information from partners and opponents to figure out what they are going to do, what is happening, what the weaknesses are, what the strengths are, and to have the upper hand. That is cyber espionage. And this operation, although it is against the United States, is no different. So let's stop calling it all kinds of names and just start calling it what it is. This operation was no different than all the operations the United States and their partners have ongoing. 
collect information on partners and opponents, find their strengths and their weaknesses, know what they are planning, know what's happening, and get a benefit out of that. Get the upper hand just by knowing more. That is what espionage is all about. And there's no difference with cyber espionage. Of course, we should also have a very close look at prevention. A lot has been said about what could have been done to prevent this. And yes, afterwards it's always easier, but there's a lot of truth in that. One thing that keeps coming up is zero trust. Well, zero trust would have not prevented everything, but it would have made it much more difficult. And at least it would have prevented that 18,000 customers are impacted by this until we figured it out. It would have prevented that it could spread so far by using collected credentials to take it to the next level. Certificates which were used to get access to other systems which were not even compromised in the first wave. That is one thing that would really make a difference. It's also very important to work based on the assumption that your organization is compromised. So you have to keep hunting for that threat. You can never assume safety. And the third thing that we learned from this is cybersecurity is not just about having a very offensive surveillance network because you will not see everything. Cybersecurity is about defense and it's about hunting for the threats and looking at the anomalies. Geopolitical and economical impact is most likely much, much bigger than we realize at this moment. And I assume that there are a lot of partners of the United States who are at the moment not amused. This was upfront and personal. I am Johannes Doha. I'm looking forward to see you soon.